Gonzaga has time to do something. Suggs for the win. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Unbelievable. Classic basketball game. What is up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of 3 and D. I'm Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, we'll be going over all of the jam-packed game, one, game ones and game twos that have gone down so far uh, in the NBA playoffs with the first round beginning. We got the Kyrie Irving situation. We got to go over a couple more transfer portal updates and then the finalists for each award too um, in the NBA. And later on, we'll also have Nick Morgison from Empty the Bench Podcast Network will come join the show. Huge fan of the Brooklyn Nets. We need to hear his opinion on the Kyrie Irving situation. But to everybody listening, go, go like, go subscribe down below. Everybody watching on YouTube, uh, everybody listening on Facebook, follow along and drop a comment if you guys want to. Uh, we will get to every comment for sure, and we'll run through. And we would love to interact with everybody about um, the craziness that has been going on with the NBA. So, first things first, we'll jump right into it. Kyrie's flipping off the fans. So, obviously, the Celtics beat the Nets on a game winner. Uh, this past Sunday, and the big storyline of it wasn't necessarily about Jason Tatum's layup that ended up winning the game. It was more Kyrie Irving's antics in Boston. Uh, he was seen flipping off the fans, a lot of people making obscene gestures. You know, obviously, this goes back to his days playing for the Celtics and, you know, giving them a promise that he ended up not keeping by saying that he was going to return. Uh, the Celtics fans have hated him ever since when he decided to sign with the Nets. So Kyrie Irving instead um, obviously went to the Nets, and Celtics fans have not forgotten that. And they played the Celtics in the playoffs last year. Kyrie was Kyrie was seen uh, rubbing his shoe on the Celtics logo, kind of disrespectful, kind of uh, ramped up the Celtics crowd even more. And it's it's been a hate-hate relationship between Kyrie and the Celtics nonstop. And obviously in game one, he was seen flipping off the fans multiple times. And the news just came out today that he got fined $50,000 for those gestures. Uh, not, a, not a shock at all. But besides that, Kyrie did have an amazing game in Brooklyn's game one loss. He had 39.6 assists, shot 12 of 20 from the field and six of 10 from three um, throughout the Celtics loss. 
throughout the uh, the Nets loss to the Celtics. So this is going to it's just going to make for an amazing series. Obviously, when we all saw that Celtics Nets was going to be matched up after the Nets won the playing game, we we all could have seen this coming, and this. And this was really the making of a storyline kind of first round. Um, you know, obviously you got the big bad Nets who are who have become, you know, one of the league's best, one of the league's most hated teams. Obviously, they're one. They're you know they tried to become the lovable losers. You know, the Nets have never really won anything in their in their franchise history, but nobody likes them, and that's the bottom line of it. They become uh, the most hated team, possibly the most hated team in basketball. And uh, a lot of it is due to Kyrie Irving's antics. So, well, that's just pretty pretty quick synopsis of it. Uh, we'll get more, much more into the Nets versus Celtics series later on in the show when Nick Morgison joins us uh, around seven thirty. But we'll jump over to a few more um, interesting things. Imani Bates looking to transfer. So, a college basketball headline: Imani Bates, who was the top recruit in the class of twenty twenty two. Should have been a high school senior this year, decided to reclassify and joined Memphis a year early, played this year for Memphis. Uh, is not eligible to enter the NBA draft, but he struggled big time this year in an on and off season, dealing with a lot of injuries. And Bates is looking to transfer, looking to leave Memphis. Memphis is starting to have a lot of issues. A lot of guys are starting to transfer out. Earl Timberlake, who was a former top 25 recruit for them, just transferred to Bryant. Uh, there Landers Nolly is looking to transfer as well. Lester Quinones, uh, declared for the draft. So they're, they're going to be losing a lot of guys. They don't have, they don't have too many Jalen Duran, uh, declared for the draft. They don't have too many guys coming in freshman class and Penny Hardaway is under a lot of, uh, heat with some, with some new scandals as well. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what, what Memphis can do. But Imani Bates looks like he's out of Memphis. I mean, he entered the transfer portal. There's obviously, a chance that uh, he can end up deciding to come back to Memphis, but he's going to try to test uh, what would be a better fit for him for his sophomore year because he'll be able to enter the 2023 NBA draft, and uh, he's he's going to look to have a much better sophomore season next year to try to boost his draft stock because he was he was very underwhelming. He looked like a 17 year old playing college this season. He he struggled a bit, you know, dealt with injuries and all that kind of stuff that Memphis ended up benching him for a period of time. So he's going to be headed out. It'll be very interesting to see what it comes down to. Some other college basketball news too. Kofi Coburn will be making his decision tomorrow, whether he's entering the NBA draft. He, he was very vague about uh, what his decision is going to be. All he said was decision is coming tomorrow uh, reg- regarding his future in basketball. So is it that he's transferring? Is it that he's returning to Illinois or is it that he's entering the NBA draft? We'll, we'll see, or, or that he's entering the NBA draft and entering the transfer portal as well. Like he did last year. Um, You know, no idea, no idea what that's going to be, but stay tuned for that. Kofi Coburn will be making his decision tomorrow. Uh, and really mostly just transfer portal stuff. There isn't, isn't too much more news going on across college basketball, very light now since March Madness is over. So we're in, we're in peak NBA mode and that jumps us over to the NBA award finalists. So NBA came out with their finalists for their six big awards uh, uh, with one of them already being handed out. Defensive player of the year was given to Marcus Smart yesterday, not a shock, by any means, I, I thought it was going to be either him or Michael Bridges. Uh, 
end, ending up winning it. But Marcus Smart has been, if not the best defender in the NBA, uh, a top three defender in the NBA for years, his first defensive player of the year right there. So uh, happy for him. Glad that he won it. And then the other finalists for the awards, the MVP, Nicole Jokic, Joel Embiid, and Giannis Antetokounmpo are the, the three finalists for MVP with Nicole Jokic leading so far. Uh, and Embiid in second, Giannis in third. Rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, and Kate Cunningham are the three finalists. Scotty Barnes, I, in my opinion, it's it, Kate Cunningham had a fantastic second half of the season, struggled a little bit in the first half, but I think that Barnes and Mobley are going to be the two legitimate candidates for uh, for rookie of the year this year because they just kept it consistent all season long. I think it could go either way. It seems like it might be going to Scotty Barnes. Uh, I wouldn't be, you know, disappointed with either decision because I think that they're, they're both, they're both going to be studs, but Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, Kate Cunningham are the finals for rookie of the year. Sixth man of the year is between Tyler hero, Cam Johnson and Kevin love, Kevin love being on a sixth man of the year. Uh, finalist list is is very interesting, but he's kind of he's kind of the third best option there. I think Tyler Hero is most likely going to win it. Uh, that's what that's what it most likely seems like. He had a tremendous season off the bench for the Heat, averaging right around twenty points a game. Um, he's becoming one of the best young guards in the NBA. We saw him break out his his rookie season. He struggled a little bit last year in his sophomore season. Was was you know up and down. Ended up having a decent season, but broke out again this season and has been amazing. So Tyler Hero, in my opinion, is probably going to be sixth man of the year. I think he's leading the voting as well, but I'm I'm not too sure what the update on that is. Then coach of the year, you got Monty Williams of the Phoenix Suns, Eric Spolstra of the Miami Heat, of course. Seems like Spolstra is in the finalist is a finalist almost like every single season. Absolutely unbelievable. One of the best coaches of all time. And Taylor Jenkins of the Memphis Grizzlies are the three finalists for coach of the year. Uh, in my opinion, I think Monty Williams is going to get it because he arguably should have got it last year. And Tom, Tom Thibodeau ended up getting it from the Knicks because you know, of how amazing of a season the Knicks had. But Monty Williams arguably should have got it last year. I think he'll definitely get it this year. Uh, and I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, the Suns were best team in the league. They had 18 losses this entire season. You know, he, the way that he's turned that that franchise around with Chris Paul and Devin Booker is absolutely amazing. He's he's doing one one hell of a job uh, running that Suns team. So I very very uh, expecting that Monty Williams is going to be coach of the year, and then. The final award, most improved player. The final, the finalist for that award is Darius Garland, who was a first-time All-Star this year for the Cleveland Cavaliers. John Morant, who uh, was really the league's breakout player, was obviously a great player throughout his entire career, but has become an arguably top ten player in the NBA this season. And Dejounte Murray of the, of the San Antonio Spurs. All three of them made their first All-Star teams this season. So um, good, good little. Uh, accolade for a most improved player. Uh, I think that it's going to probably end up being John Morant. You know, I've seen a lot of people uh, on Twitter debating that, oh, John Morant is an MVP candidate. He shouldn't be a realistic for most improved player. Uh, it should probably go to Darius Garland or it should go to DeJounte Murray. But, you know, if you, because also John Morant has been a star player. He's just kind of taking that next step this season. But 
if you look at the history of the awards, it's the guy who, you know, takes that next step. A lot of times it's a guy who goes from being a good player to an, to an all around stud. Uh, you know, we saw Giannis several years ago in his breakout season when at, when he jumped from being a good player to being an all around stud. And so, so I think John Moran's going to end up winning it. He is pretty much this stereotypical uh, winner of, of that award. You know, he's, he's basically, he's, kind of given the entire season an entire season worth of accolades to uh to kind of to kind of win that award so i would not i'd be a little surprised if john morant doesn't win it so my opinion i have nikola Jokic winning mvp uh i think scotty barnes going to win rookie of the year tyler hero sixth man of the year monty williams coach of the year and john morant will win most improved player but we'll find out i think i think the real closest uh, battles are going to be between Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley for Rookie of the Year, and probably between Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid for MVP. Even though I think Jokic will end up winning it, I think that'll be a very close battle. I think that the rest of them are kind of uh, layups for to to pretty much win the award. So those are the award finalists in the NBA. The NBA just came out with those final three uh, voting should they should be giving out the awards one by one. They already gave out six man of the year. I didn't even realize that they were giving them out this early. Usually uh, they wait until a little deeper into the playoffs to give out like MVP. MVP will probably end up coming last, but um, I'm not sure what the schedule is for the rest of them, but stay tuned, see what other awards end up coming out. So now we'll jump into the NBA playoffs. We got a lot to cover all eight matchups. So first off, we'll jump into the West Nick Morrison will be joining us in a little bit. Just a reminder to to everybody at seven thirty, he'll he'll be hopping on to preview a little bit of the NBA playoffs and uh, talk about the Brooklyn Nets a little bit. Executive producer of uh, the Clear the Bench podcast, so Empty the Bench podcast, I should say. Uh, so he is a big Brooklyn Nets fan, and he'll be he'll be joining us in a little bit, but. First things first, we'll go over you know the matchups real quick. So Suns versus Pelicans, we got uh, the Suns leading the Pelicans one nothing so far. Suns beat them in game one, one ten to ninety nine. Not too much of a shock. Game two is tonight at ten o'clock in Phoenix. Game three will be Friday at nine thirty in New Orleans. Game four will be Sunday at nine thirty in New Orleans as well. And then games five, six, and seven, if need be, will be Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday of next week. Uh, CJ McCollum had a great performance, as well as Jones Valanciunas for the uh, for the Pelicans in their first game. McCollum had 25 points, eight rebounds. Valanciunas had 18 points, 25 boards. Brandon Ingram struggled a bit, shot six of 17 from the field, only had 18 points. But the real storyline was the Suns. They came out strong, ended up winning by 11, but it was never really even that close. It was pretty much a blowout throughout the entire game. Uh, Chris Paul had 30 points, 10 assists. Devin Booker had 25 points, 8 assists. And DeAndre Aiden had 21 points, 9 boards, and 4 blocks. So this series, you know, a lot of people, it's a classic 1 versus 8 series. Uh, the Pelicans barely sneaked in the playoff. They were really the 9 seed. They ended up winning the play-in and getting the 8 seed. But, you know, the Suns are still my favorites to win it all this year. Uh, and, you know, I think that they're going to make quick work of the Pelicans. They might 
game four is scheduled for Sunday at nine thirty. That's we we could very well um, have a winner of this series by next episode, by next Tuesday for the next episode of the three and D. And then Mavericks versus Jazz. So we got the number four Dallas Mavericks taking on the number five Utah Jazz. Uh, Mavericks tied. Mavericks are tied with the Jazz one to one after beating them yesterday. Um, Dallas. Dallas won game one, 99 to 93. Utah, uh, Utah won. I'm sorry. Dallas, no, there was no Luka in games one and two. Um, and Dallas ended up winning. Uh, they, they ended up winning yesterday, 110 to 104. Utah won the first game, I should say. Sorry about that. Uh, very, very, very bit of a little bit of a mix up, but Dallas, but Dallas ended up winning 110 to 104 yesterday over Utah. Uh, they didn't, obviously, they didn't have Luka Doncic again. Uh, he's been out the last couple of games due to injury, but they had a huge performance from Jalen Brunson, who had 41 points and eight boards. Uh, an absolutely stellar game from Brunson. Uh, shot 15 of 25 from the field. Reggie Bullock had 11 points. Spencer Dinwiddie, 17. And Maxi Kleber had 25 points off the bench. Donovan Mitchell had a, another tremendous game, 34 points, 5 assists. But it was all for naught. So the series wrapped up at 1. This this just screams like a series that can go 7 games. Uh, game 3 is set for Thursday at 9 o'clock in Utah. Game four will be Saturday at 4.30 p.m. in Utah. And then games five, six, and seven will be Monday, Thursday, and Saturday next week. There will definitely be a game five that's tied at one-to-one. But if need be, a game six and seven will be Thursday and Saturday next week. So this this series, just it just feels like it's going to keep going back and forth. Like I have I have really high hopes for this series. I think, that's, uh, I think it's going to be a real, real nail-biter. Um, kind of coming down to a possible game six or game seven. And then we got the Warriors and Nuggets. Warriors and Nuggets will go over quickly because, you know, the Warriors have kind of been running away with it a little bit. They won again yesterday. Uh, they blew them out again yesterday. So the Warriors lead the Nuggets now 2-0. Uh, Warriors won game one, 123-107, to 107, and they won game two, 126-106. Uh, you know, the Warriors have been one of the best teams in the NBA all season long. And it's not too much of a shock that they're making light work of the Nuggets, who are very, very undermanned. They got Nikola Jokic, and uh, they they're very, very injury plagued. Obviously, Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray being their their uh, number two and number three options, both having been out the entire season. So it's it's a it's a difficult situation for the Nuggets. Um, the fact that they avoided the play in in general was a bit of a shock to me. I thought that they were, that they were definitely going to be a playing team, but the Warriors are already up to nothing. They took advantage of home court advantage, but the series goes back to Denver game three is Thursday at 10 game four is Sunday at three 30 and then games five, six, and seven, if need be would be Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday of next week. And then we got the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves. So this is, one interesting series, I'll tell you that. Timberwolves lead series, one nothing. Game two is tonight at 8.30 in Memphis. Thursday, uh, game three will be Thursday at 7.30. Game four will be Saturday at 10. And then um, games five, six, and seven, if need be, would be as assuming the Wolves don't, don't sweep them, 
would be Tuesday, Friday, Sunday. Uh, in that order, Timberwolves end up winning game one, 130 to 117 on the back of Anthony Edwards, breakout second year star with 36 points, six assists with the first overall pick in the 2020 NBA draft. Uh, he's kind of coming into his own. Carl Anthony Towns at 29 points, 13 rebounds in 43 minutes of playing. John Morant added 32 points for the Grizzlies in their loss. Uh, some, of, some of the more interesting storylines, though, after the game that I thought were were pretty were pretty cool. First thing, Chris Finch now becomes the second winningest playoff coach in Min, in Minnesota history with one win. Pretty indicative of the Minnesota Timberwolves franchise history in general. Chris Finch wins one playoff game and now he's uh tied for second most wins in the playoffs in uh in team history. So you know, it's that's a very, very, very interesting, uh, interesting situation for Minnesota. Um, I think that you know they they do have a solid young core. They're starting to put together. I like what their team is starting to look like, and you know, hopefully they can start picking off some other wins. Chris Finch is establishing himself as a pretty solid NBA head coach. But the real storyline kind of came after the game. Things got a little chippy. Anthony Edwards. Said in a post-game interview, he claimed that the Grizzlies were talking a lot of smack during the game. Um, was when they were up, and then they ended up losing. He said that you know everybody loves the Grizzlies because they're you know kind of the lovable losers in in sorts. But he said that, but he was basically alluding to the fact that uh, they you know just kind of talk a lot of smack. And then John Morant responded back on Instagram with the classic Michael Jordan meme of uh, him at his locker with a cigar and his, and a baseball bat kind of saying, explaining how, you know, a team can, uh, can talk smack while they're up very easily. But if, if a team can talk smack while they're down, that's, that's the um, indicator of a true competitive. So kind of, kind of giving a shout at uh, Anthony Edwards a little bit, basically saying like they're up one, nothing. That's why he's starting to talk now. So it's, it's making for a very, very interesting series. In my opinion, the grid, the Grizzlies versus the Timberwolves. Um, I'm excited for game two, which is getting going to be going to get set for eight 30 tonight in about an hour. So once the show is over, uh, we'll be able to, to go check out the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves. So Jumping over, um, the Heat and the Hawks. The Heats lead one nothing over the Hawks. You know, again, not too much to talk about with this. The Hawks are the eight seed. They ended up; they were the nine seed going into the play-in tournament. They ended up winning the play-in tournament and snagged an eight seed. Uh, game two will be tonight at seven. Already started, so game's going on right now. No idea what the score is, but uh, Heat won game one, one fifteen to ninety one. Game three will be Friday at seven in Atlanta. Game four will be Sunday at seven in Atlanta as well. And then the next three games, if need be, would be Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So the Heat's heat up one nothing over the Hawks and game two going off right now. Then you got the Sixers versus the Raptors. Sixers won again last night. They now lead the series two to nothing in a very uncompetitive series. Watching the majority of that game uh, yesterday, the Raptors are looking very depleted. To, to say the least, they're um, not not very not able to match up with the Sixers very well. Uh, they had a tremendous, 
tremendous season. Nobody expected, everybody expected them to be bottom dwellers in the Eastern Conference. And they ended up with a five seed avoiding the play and almost kind of took a po- took a page out of the Knicks book last year, basically, of uh um over over overdoing the expectations and you know. Now they're kind of getting a little bit outmatched with the Sixers, but it's, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it too. James Harden hasn't been playing it hasn't been playing great. Uh, Joel Embiid obviously is an MVP finalist, so he's he's an all around stud, and he's been doing fantastic. And then Bucks first Bulls, last one before we bring on our guest Nick and go over Nets first Celtics. We got the Bucks and Bulls. Bucks lead the Bulls one nothing so far. Uh, in this series, game two is getting set for tomorrow night at 930 in Milwaukee. Uh, it was it was a very uncompetitive first half in the Bucks versus Bulls game one, and the Bulls ended up coming back a little bit, making a little bit of a run, and, and the Bucks ended up winning 93 to 86. But it's game two set for tomorrow night at 930. Uh, game three will be Friday at 830 in Chicago. Game four will be Sunday at one in Chicago. And then games five, six, and seven, if need be, will be Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. So they'll have another Sunday to Wednesday break, which is, you know, which is kind of interesting that some of these teams are, are getting those breaks, like like the in the uh, Nets for Celtics series. They're not playing again until tomorrow. They played Sunday. So kind of, kind of find that a little bit interesting. But without further ado, we'll bring on our guest, Nick Morgison, diehard Brooklyn Nets fan. Nick, how are we doing? How's it going, Paul? I like your show. I really enjoy it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, Nets, Nets and Celtics. Well, first off, before we get into the Nets and Celtics, what, give me a couple of uh, your your takeaways from the NBA playoffs this so far. So just looking at some of the series, I'm not really surprised by the Warriors. I heard you mentioning that earlier. Steph Curry coming off the bench, uh, scoring 30 points in less than 25 minutes, which was a first for him, which made him look like a six-man of the year, which is kind of odd coming from a guy who's been the leading point guard for this team for many years. I thought that was interesting. Also, the Mavs pulling it out somehow without Luka, because I said it on my show the other day that if Luka doesn't play, they don't win that series at all. Yeah, absolutely. So those are two of my takeaways so far. I thought I thought it was very interesting. I, I really like as uh, as we were just talking about before the Timberwolves Grizzlies matchup. too. I think that it's just very entertaining. I still I still don't expect the Timberwolves to to knock off the Grizzlies. Grizzlies are too tough. But I really like what I've seen out of Anthony Edwards. I really liked what I've seen um, as with him and Towns as that big two. I they they're really becoming a respectable team. Honestly, I think in my opinion, uh, I, I, I like that series. I'm excited for that game tonight. I think that that's, that's going to be, that's definitely going to be an interesting one, but we got nets for Celtics, which arguably is, could be the, uh, the biggest series of this entire first round, the most talked about series. First things first, uh, game one performance. You're a Brooklyn Nets fan. I wanted to make sure I get a Brooklyn Nets fan's perspective on the show this week, too, because uh, we've had some Celtics fans' perspectives, but we we all know that the Celtics fans hate Kyrie Irving. Got to get your thoughts on Kyrie Irving, his antics. What do you think about uh, everything that's going on with him? So when I first saw this, happen and i see two birds start flipping off from the court to the crowd one as an athlete who makes millions of dollars every year 
you shouldn't be pissing off the fans. They're paying your salary, number one. Number yeah. two, usually we, we're talking about performance on the court compared to what's going on off the court. He actually had a good game. He actually put up 39 points. But we're not talking about that now. We're talking about flipping birds to the crowd, unfortunately. So I I was happy with the move when he originally signed in free agency. But now I'm having buyer's remorse, and I can't believe I'm saying it now. Yeah. Well, it's it's been a tough season all season long with Kyrie. You've had the in and outs of you know not being vaccinated, not being able to play. You know, then only being able to play road games and then somehow being able to get exempt to play home games, which which was, you know, kind of kind of came out of the blue. But it's it's been drama all season for this Nets team. And then you had James Harden, who got frustrated with with Kyrie, demanded a trade. They end up getting Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is hurt. Uh, he's he's apparently going to come back later on in this series. What, what are your thoughts on a potential Ben Simmons, Kyrie and KD big three? To be quite honest, I don't know if the big three really works in the NBA anymore. It's a tough, tough. You have to go all the way back to the Celtics and the Heat yeah. for when it really worked. We saw it with Harden. It didn't really work. He was too much of an ego with the basketball. Same thing with Kyrie. So, unfortunately, I don't see this working any better. I think Ben Simmons is a defensive player. That's really how I look at him at most, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think I think it's very interesting um, the kind of game that he'll add to KD and Kyrie's, you know, on ball dominance on the offense. And you know, Ben Simmons is a facilitator, obviously, tremendous defender. And I, I, I think I I think that it could could end up going decently. Do I think it's going to be um, the you know the savior or anything? I don't I don't think so. I still don't think it's really the Nets year. I think that there's too many, too many injuries. I, I, I think that there are a lot in, you know, not even just, uh, you know, a Knicks fan uh, being biased. I'm, I, I just don't think that it's completely the Nets year. I think that, you know, their depth is, is a little bit depleted after the Harden trade too. Um, you know, they ended up losing a bunch of guys. I think that uh, some unsung heroes though, in that trade was Seth Curry and Andre Drummond. I, I I love the two of them. Seth Curry has been like a godsend for yeah. this team in some regards. Some people don't think it. The man shoots as well as his brother on the Warriors from three-point range. I mean, people don't realize it. And if it wasn't for someone like him or even someone like Drummond, which people don't think about yeah. with, with the defense and the rebounds down the middle, this team wouldn't be in the playoffs right now. They just wouldn't be. No, they wouldn't at all. They would have fell out of the playing tournament. It's true. They had, they had those guys... Those guys really held it down in the absence of Ben Simmons and, you know, in the absence of Kyrie, too, at the beginning of the trade. Obviously, it was the end of the season when he became a full-time player again. But those were two key pieces I think were fantastic. I mean, Andre Drummond wasn't really putting up big numbers for the Sixers. Obviously, it was Embiid's backup to start the season. But he's been averaging 13-10 and 10 since since coming over the net, starting center. Um, kind of takes the place of... Uh, kind of takes the place as the big man that you guys kind of needed. You know, Nicholas Claxton's a good supporting cast, but um, but I think I think I think Drummond's a fantastic player. I think he's going to get a big contract this offseason, personally. I mean, I think of and this is going back away for Nets fans. Do you remember uh, Nanad Christage? If that oh, name, of course. So yeah. he kind of reminds me, not as good a shooter as he was, yeah. but that in between guy that could really separate the floor yeah. and really make it work offensively in a set. Mm -hmm. 
Nene Christich. I, I remember that. That was the the old New Jersey Nets days. Those those were good back in the uh, the Vince Carter. Jason uh, Kidd, Richard Jason Jefferson. Jefferson. You can even go back far as Kenyon Martin. I mean, I, I can go yeah. way back. <laughs> oh yeah, Kerry Kittles. You can go. You can go far back with with them. But yeah, no, I I like that. I like I I tend to agree with that. Honestly, um, I think that I think that Drummond is is a very good piece too because he's a very underrated defender too. A lot of people, you know, talk about his his rebounding. And obviously that's partly defense rebounding, but he's a great offensive rebounder as well. But his, his hands for a big man are tremendous. His, he has, he always has high steals totals. He always has high block totals. Um, that's, that's a big thing. Yeah. And just looking at this team, they really need Kyrie to get back in off the ego. They need KD to be healthy. And if they don't have that, they're just going to lose. The Celtics are a young an up-and-coming team, and guys like Tatum, they're not going to beat them unless they're a full 100%. They're just not going to. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. And Kevin Durant had a, a little bit of a underwhelming performance in Game 1. What were your thoughts on that? Do you think he'll bounce back? Kevin Durant has been up and down all season like a stock. Like he, His stock will be good for a certain part of the season, then he'll get hurt, miss 40 games, and uh, come back and somehow make it for the playoff run. Um if we look at last playoff stretch, he almost dragged them uh, uh, against the Bucks and almost pushed them into the final. I mean, yeah. oh yeah. If it, if it wasn't for that uh, regulation shot that brought them into overtime, that series would have been over. It was all him. Yeah. That's it. If they don't have him, they're completely abysmal. They're they, they're nothing. <laughs> no, absolutely, it's totally true. I think that that's that's a big thing. I mean, the reason why the game was so close because Kyrie completely took over, and I mean, obviously. You know, we got the antics with Kyrie, so nobody's really talking about his performance. But he had a tremendous performance. He he played great in that in that game, and you know those are those are two guys that just show up in in big moments too. I th- I I don't have any any doubt that uh, Durant's going to bounce back in Game Two. I'm sure that I'm sure that that's almost a definite that it's going to happen. I'm just interested to see um, if they'll be able to get enough consistent. Uh, play from Kyrie. If Ben Simmons will be able to, if Ben Simmons even comes back this series, if he comes back and is able to provide anything, and if they get enough depth too, because the Celtics have they've been on a roll. I don't necessarily think that the Celtics are, you know, East, going to be Eastern Conference champions. I think that the Bucks are still better than them. I, th- you know, Miami might still be better than them, even though I think, even though I think Miami's kind of getting written off a little too quickly. They they are a pretty decent team. I don't know if they're as good as my as Milwaukee. I still think Milwaukee's probably the best in the Eastern Conference. But um, I I think that I think the Celtics uh, they're they're kind of just structurally sound right now, and you know that's that's the biggest thing. The problem is when people look at the Nets throughout the whole season, they've been saying, "Look at the Vegas odds. They were the number one to win the title." And then when all the injuries happened and everything happened. And they dropped down into the eight seed, which no one expected. Now everyone's like, well, they're going to beat the two seed. They're going to beat the Celtics. People need to calm down, take a deep breath, realize the Nets are not the championship team they are, and realize that they could lose this series. 100%. I think I think they might. I honestly think they might because um, Jason Tatum is a difference maker, too. Jason Tatum is a ridiculous player. But they also, I mean, they have a great supporting <laughs> cast. And if Robert Williams is able to come back this series – 
I mean, I, I'm not too sure he's going to. I think I think he's potentially be ready to come back if they make it to the second round. Uh, that was that was possibly the rumor, but you know, I I think that the, I think the Celtics are just all around uh, a great team right now. I, I also like Demarcus Smart, like you said, Defensive yeah. Player of the Year. That man is like on a mission because over the last couple of seasons, he just did not have it. Did really did yeah. not have it, and now he's out there with a purpose and a passion. That's the word I, I like to go with him, but passion. Oh, absolutely. And he knows his role, too. That's the biggest thing. You know, he's a defensive specialist, <laughs> and he hits. Um, he can hit threes, all that kind of stuff. But he knows his role. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are the go-to scorers on the team. And they have a couple of good uh, secondary scorers, some good complementary players. But uh, – Marcus Smart, Grant Williams—they're like the gritty guys on the team. You know, they—they're going out there and they have their specific roles, and they're—they're they're playing tremendously. And you gotta give credit credit to Ime Udoka. He's—he's done a great job as a first-year head coach. The big difference in this series, the difference maker is going to be who can steal a game on the road. That's going to be—that's going to determine if the Nets can win Game Two and really figure it out. They will win this series, in my opinion. If they go down 2-0 and they have to come back under 0-2 situation, I just don't think it's enough. They don't have the offensive firepower to really uh, get there. Well, it's a little bit of both. Defense, they they were averaging like 100 points on defense, which is why they're playing slugfests in a sense. So. No, I like like that. I think that that's true. I think that um, whoever ends up stealing a game on the road could be it because this could be a series that just keeps going back and forth with the home team winning. I definitely, I definitely can see that. Um, I, I think that it's, it's all around. It's just going to be a really good one. I, I think it's, it's scream seven games this series. I hope so because I think the Nets, if they get momentum, they're not going to win. Like you said, I agree. Yeah, but I think they'll definitely either get to Milwaukee again or they won't beat Milwaukee. There's too much firepower there, but it's better than nothing, I guess, yeah. from where they were. So looking at it um, in a future standpoint, say the Nets lose this series, um, what would be your next steps to attack next season for the Nets? How do you, how do you feel about Steve Nash? How do you feel about the rest of the team, uh, some of the depth that they have? What do you, who are some key players you think that they should go after too? Well, one, Steve Nash should have never been the coach of the organization. That's yeah. my opinion first. Now, a lot of people get mad at me when I say that, but the only reason that he's the coach is because of Durant and Kyrie. Only reason. Otherwise, they would have gone after an experienced coach. That's number one. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah. When I look at the team otherwise, they have a good core. <laughs> Ooh. But um, otherwise, I think the team is pretty much consistent and set. They just got to get healthy again. Ben Simmons is their acquisition. That's how I look at the team so far. Yeah. No, I, I, I like that. I like that. Um, you know, I think that Ben Simmons playing in a full season would be completely different. I think that's, uh, you know, that, that could be a difference maker. I think if KD and Kyrie could play a full season too, I mean, we haven't seen a full season out of Kyrie. And even if, you know, the vaccine mandates stay 
stay the way that they are, I'm sure that we won't see a full season out of Kyrie next year either. You know, the, like how he disappeared uh, out of nowhere the season before and, you know, the vaccine stuff this year. You're never going to get a full season out of him. And you wonder with Kevin Durant and um, his, age, his aging if he's going to be able to stay healthy. But do you see a championship in the horizon with this with this uh, group of Kyrie and KD? I like them as a duo, but they don't have the supporting pieces. Yeah. It's If you look at, and I go back to old teams again, Miami, when they had D-Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron, they had other pieces. They had a Ray Allen type. They had a bunch yeah. of other guys coming off the bench. A Mike Miller, of all guys. If you look at the Celtics, they had Ray Allen also on their side and other guys that were shooting around them. The Nets, I mean, I guess you could say Seth Curry is maybe that guy, but you really don't have a full nucleus. You have good defense, you have decent players, but you don't have the complete package that, like, say, a Milwaukee has or a Phoenix Suns, which you were talking about earlier, except for if Chris Paul could stay healthy, if Devin Booker can get his head out of his you-know-what and actually focus yeah. on the court. That team should win. Yeah. That's the team you should be focusing on. Yeah. No, exactly. I I agree with that. I think that it's, I think that's definitely true. Um, I, I'm very interested to see what's, what the Nets will be in the future. Um, if, especially if like the Ben Simmons thing, uh, ends up panning out, that's, that's the big question mark in my opinion, because they need, just like you said, you know, it's, it, they're never going to get the job done with just Kyrie and KD. You know, it's going to take a supporting cast. It'll be interesting to see what kind of supporting cast to be able to put together uh, around those guys. I think uh, Drummond end up may end up being too much. I mean, Joe Harris too. You know, Joe Harris they'll finally have back. He's he's a huge piece for that team. That's that that's that was a huge loss for them this season. Talk about spreading the floor, having the range with a guy like Harris. Then you wouldn't feel all bunched up in the middle with Kyrie and KD in that situation. In theory. Exactly. I totally agree. I think that I think Joe Harris being out for the year is uh, was one of the key, is one of the key pieces of their downfall too, and their struggle a bit this year because he he is a very important piece to their offense uh, to kind of spread the ball around a little bit and you know give them give the defense a third dynamic score to to kind of watch out for. You know, the, it's not just you know Kyrie and KD that that they have to uh, get ready for in the. Uh, in the pregame, they have to worry about Joe Harris knocking down threes and so on. So I think that's, I think that's definitely a very interesting one. So who jumping over to the rest of the playoffs, who do you have coming out of the East and who do you have coming out of the West? I think you said it best. Milwaukee is the best team. They're the favorite. I think Giannis it's Giannis or bust at this point, as I like to say. So I think it'll be Milwaukee. Now, the West is a little bit harder just because, again, I like, uh, who was I going to say, the the Suns, but I like the Warriors, actually, ironically, too, because, again, it seems like the old group is back together again between Curry, Clay, Draymond. They're all coming back in full force. And then yeah. you have guys like Poole who are adding to that, hitting the threes, really spreading that floor and dominance. Can you imagine what Steph Curry will be like when he's completely starting on starters minutes? That's going to be the danger for every team. That's why that's why I'm very interested about it. And especially when I mean Clay has came back this year and he hasn't been the old Clay Thompson, but once he starts getting his footing underneath and once Draymond comes back from injury, I'm very I'm really excited to see 
you know, what kind of what kind of future they're going to have too with Jordan Poole. I think Jordan Poole is going to be a stud. He's he's kind of he's breaking out right now. We got Bucks are so tough, and they have the best player in the world. Absolutely, Can completely agree. Giannis, in my opinion, is the best player in basketball, best all around player. I mean, some people are talking about the Sixers in a sneaky way. I would stay away from them. I'm not a Harden fan still. Um, Embiid, obviously, winning the scoring title as a big man for the first time since Shaq won the scoring title with the Lakers. Um, He's going to be a stud for many, many years to come. But with James Harden leading that team, I just don't see it. I I don't see the Sixers doing it either. I think the Sixers are a bit of pretenders um, and not really contenders. In my opinion, I again, I I think it's going to be a Bucks for a Suns rematch. In my opinion, and I think the Suns are going to take it this time. That I like the Suns, but it's Chris Paul or bust. <laughs> that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And you know, and you just never know too with um, you know, Chris Paul in the playoffs, obviously throughout his career. I mean, I think that this might be the one of the. This could be the best team that he's ever been on. Uh, best all-around team he's ever been on because he's he, he's not ha- he doesn't have to be seen as the go-to scorer either. You know you got Devin Booker there and you got tremendous defenders with Crowder and Bridges and DeAndre Aiden beca- is becoming a star player. Um, Cam Johnson off the bench like they they got they got a tremendous team uh, and I think I could definitely see a Bucks for Suns rematch and I feel like if that ends up happening then the Suns would probably end up taking it this year. I think Aiton is underrated. A lot of people give him a hard time. I think he was right asking for that large contract that he was asking for. I think the Suns were being a little cheap, to be quite honest. Oh, absolutely. I, I completely agree. I think that um, I think that the Suns, I think that he's worth every penny because he's a pretty, he's a tremendous addition to, to Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I mean, Chris Paul and Devin Booker, one of the best backcourts in basketball, if not the best backcourt in basketball, they're they're amazing. But you you need a you need a good front court as well. And DeAndre Aiden is the dynamic big man. You know you're you have to worry about that front court and then driving to the paint. You got you got Aiden down low. It's just it's a it's a nightmare. Look at the teams with the big man. So you have a Jokic, which yeah. has made headlines for unfortunate reasons. You have Giannis. And then you have a bunch of other teams. You have Embiid. Yeah. If, to be a good team, you need a big man down low. It's just it's the way today's NBA. Now, I wouldn't make the game like Jokic has, where he's just continuing to like, kick people and fight people no. on the court, or else he's never going to finish games. But you need a guy like that. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that I think you know part of the frustration with Jokic too. I think is uh, yeah, he's really had to carry that entire team the entire season. Without without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. being out are huge losses, and the fact that they avoided the play in and were able to get the six seed, I think, is a very very under not not so talked about uh, feat that is good might end up giving Jokic the MVP. Now Jokic, hundred percent has his own temper issues. He's he he almost every game he's getting into a fight with somebody. But I mean, he kicked Morris for crying out loud. I mean. Like- <laughs> You can't make this up. It's crazy. And then you had um, you had Demarcus Cousins and Will Barden going at it on the bench yesterday. There was there the Nuggets definitely uh, they, they they've got a lot of issues. When you have team on team violence, yeah. you know the chemistry is a problem yeah, for that absolutely. organization. 
absolutely. And that's that's almost been the issue everywhere that Cousins goes too. So that's that's a, that's another issue. But um, yeah, I think that I think that's going to be an interesting series. I mean, I, th- I think the Warriors definitely going to wrap it up. But I, I also think the playing tournament is broken. To be quite honest, already I can't believe I'm saying this already. But look at a team ten games under five hundred making the play-in. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it's it's a very interesting. Like, I'm not, I'm not the, I'm, I'm not the biggest anti uh, play-in guy out there. But I definitely see like what the issue is. You know, there's no reason why a nine and ten seed deserve like a fighting chance to make the playoffs. You know, there's a reason why they finished ninth and tenth in their conference, and every nine ten seed is going to be well under 500 too. So, yeah, the, the and all they have to do is win two games in order to get into the playoffs. So they, so if you look at it from that perspective, they're 100 percent can be a can be a strong argument against the play-in. But you know, I th- I think also at the end of the day, usually the seven and eight seeds are very weak. Regardless, a lot of times they're under 500 teams anyway. So, you know, you given giving other teams uh, a chance to try to make a run, even though it's not going to happen. Look at the Pelicans for crying out loud. I mean, yeah. Zion was out all season and somehow they still managed to muster a win somehow. I know it's crazy. It's crazy there. I mean, I think that CJ McCollum trade was, was fantastic for them. When when Zion comes back, I think it'll be good. I was shocked. I don't know if you were shocked when that trade actually came down because I think that has to do with just blowing up the Trailblazers, even though they're not willing to admit that Dame probably wants out of there, even though he just signed a massive contract, so it's going to be hard to move it. It's kind of like a Russell Westbrook situation all over again with the contracts. Where Absolutely. How many times can you move a gaping hole of a contract before you just say, I'm done? Like Exactly. No, it's true. Honestly, I think that, and they, all of their talk was, you know, they're going to, they're, they're trying to retool and build around Damian Lillard, but it's, it, they're going to have to retool through the draft because, you know, you're not going to be, you're never going to be able to attract free agents to Portland. Unless, no, unless it's like the Knicks. Way. It's like the Knicks. You can't get anybody to go there. It's exactly it. It's exactly it. And I, it's, it's the Knicks are even sadder because the Knicks actually play in New York. So there should be, there should be a desire to go there. You know, there's, there isn't much of a desire to go to play in Oregon, but the rumor was, I think Kyrie and Katie to the Knicks before they went to the Nets. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, at least, at least that's, what that's what I was hearing leading up to them signing with the Nets. I was hearing like, I was hearing that like crazy from like, from all the insiders, like ESPN was reporting it. Everybody was reporting it. Stephen A. Smith was saying it was basically a done deal. Um, You know, it's, it was ridiculous. They, they, they were saying that was basically going to happen. They wanted to team up in New York and then all of a sudden they went to the Nets. So, you know, part of the reason why uh, I've, I've definitely been, very frustrated as a Knicks fan over the past several years. I get it. The Knicks have been an abomination for the last decade. <laughs> they have. It's it's tough. It is definitely rough. But that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode. I want to thank everyone who tuned into the Review and Preview Network to watch another episode of the 3 and D and to all those listening via podcast, YouTube, etc. You can also follow the show on Twitter at the 3 and D. Nick, thank you so much for coming on. Tell the audience where they can check out your stuff. 
So you can go check it out uh, on Twitter at ETB Sports. That's our sports show at ETB Network for our podcast network. And uh, the ETB Network on YouTube is our uh, podcast network channel for our shows. Awesome. Sounds good. Hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week. Keep watching those NBA playoffs and stay tuned for more updates and brand new episodes coming every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock here on the Review and Preview Network for the 3 and D. We'll be going over some more round one matchups next week. I'm sure there'll be at least one uh, series winner by then. If not, we'll be going over the uh, games five, six, and seven. So have a great night, everyone. See you.